morning and a welcome to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you to 2022. How many of you, it's, it's still kind of weird to say it, to write it. Uh, if you're trying to put a date, you're trying to sign something, uh, that pen, that pencil, it just wants to put a one on the end, right? I mean, we just, we just figured it out here towards the end of 2021. Uh, we got used to signing 2021, and now we got to make it a two. So we are glad that we're in this brand new year, and we're beginning a series entitled New Year Resolutions. Not resolutions, New Year Revolutions. How many of you are big resolution people? Anybody make New Year's resolutions? No. You know, the statistics say that about half of America makes them. So we must have some of the other half here then. Lots of resolutions are made. As a tradition that began with some of the ancient Romans, they were making promises of good conduct. And they made promises of good conduct to a god they called Janus. J-A-N-U-S. We got a picture here, a representation of that. Kind of a two-headed god. One head that looks forward. One head that looks back. So someone's always looking forward and someone's always looking back. Doesn't that seem like you and I? Always looking forward, always looking back. Well, many people make resolutions. Apparently not too many or hardly anybody here in our service today. But I came across a list of what is generally agreed upon as the top 10 resolutions that people make. Now, maybe in the past you've made some of these resolutions. Apparently not this year. But I bet you have made some of these, or you know some people have made some of these. Here are the top 10 most popular resolutions that people make. Number 10, to become a better person. I think we could all seek to do that, right? To become a better person. Kind of general, kind of vague, but that's number 10 most popular. Number 9, eat better. Now, they didn't define what it means by eating better. For some, that might mean eating less or eating healthier. For some, eating better means, man, i got to get me some more cake, brownies, and cookies this year. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, eating better is all relative, right? That was number nine. Number eight, to be more patient at work and with others. Another good one, we can all improve in the area of patience, right? Come on, hurry up and give an Amen. Oh, wait a second. I, I got to be more patient. Okay. We could all grow in our patience. All right. Number seven, exercise more. Uh, lots of gym memberships are being bought and purchased at Christmas area and January, right? People want to exercise. Uh, it's, it's winter season, not the nicest here in Ohio. And so people want to go inside, uh, walk or work out or exercise. So that's number seven on the list. Number six, become more organized. We could probably all grow in that in some way. There's probably certain things we're super organized and other things that are unorganized. But organization came in at number six. Number five, find a better job. People close the year out and then begin the brand new year. And maybe they begin thinking about, uh, is what I'm doing the most fulfilling? Uh, the people that I'm working for or with or over? Uh, what about the finances? And so not, uh, many times at the beginning of the year, people make a resolution. I'm going to find a new or perhaps better job. Number four, a financial resolution is to save or earn more money. 
Financial resolutions are good to maybe say, okay, we want to save up for, uh, for a home or a vehicle or a trip or, or a home purchase or save up for something that we like. So saving, doing something uh, more or earning more with our money came in at number four. Number three, also in the area of finances, stick to a budget. A lot of people say, hey, you know, based on how last year went, and based on Christmas and January is when a lot of those credit card bills are coming due, boy, we need to maybe watch our finances and, and try to stick to a budget. That comes in at number three. Number two on the 10 most popular resolution list is stopping smoking, drinking, or other addictions. Basically, some things that control uh, our lives. People would say, okay, we've got to stop this. Let's have a fresh new start to the year. And then number one, uh, probably something that you knew was coming, but the top resolution that people make as a whole is to lose weight. I mean, yes, right after Thanksgiving, followed by Christmas and New Year's and, and all of the special holidays and get-togethers, uh, people want to exercise, maybe eat a little healthier and try to lose some weight. So those are the top 10 most popular resolutions. Chances are at some point in time you had one, you made one, you were, maybe it wasn't written down, but you were probably seeking to do some of those. A lot of practical resolutions, things of dealing with our finances, dealing with our physical body. But how about some spiritual ones? Maybe you've had some thoughts or goals or resolutions of what you would like to do or to grow spiritually for the year. Maybe some would say, I want to read through the Bible this year. Just a, a reminder, we do have Bible reading guides available, uh, paper ones available. We've also got the Our Daily Bread devotional. I would encourage you with the Bible app if you've got smartphone and tablets. A lot of different ways for you and I to get God's Word into us. So for some, maybe it's reading more as in reading more faithfully or reading more days or reading more of the Bible. Some are saying, hey, this year I want to read through the entire Bible. Whatever the case, that's a, a spiritual resolution that many would make. Or how about this? Attending church more faithfully. Some would say, I want to get, I want to get connected a little bit more and, and not miss as many Sundays. Or I want to maybe get connected to that discipleship hour at 930 or get connected to those worship and prayer nights on a Sunday evening. I want to get connected to the Wednesday evening Bible studies. More opportunities to learn and grow. Or some would have a resolution about giving to God and maybe giving more faithfully uh, every week or every month or uh, giving towards uh, the building program, uh, giving towards missions, giving towards some of the different ministries. Or some would say, how about a challenge or a resolution of getting plugged in and connected to a ministry? So a lot of different spiritual resolutions as well. We said that about half of America makes some form of resolutions. Anyone want to venture a guess as to how many people keep those resolutions? <laughs> I, don't know the, I don't know the data on that. But I would venture to say, you and I both know it's probably pretty low, right? Lots and lots of people make a resolution. All those gym memberships that are sold December and January, the gyms are packed at the beginning of the month. Probably middle or end of the month or maybe into February. There's a whole lot more room as people stop coming around quite as often. And that's just the, uh, some of the, the physical resolutions, right? So if you've made some, you've probably seen that you've broken some 
or most or all. We struggle with keeping resolution. So it's not just a resolution that we would need, but hopefully a revolution. It's a transformation. It's a change. It's not just a pledge, not just, well, I hope to do a little better in this area. We need God's help. All the different things that, that we're pledging or seeking or desiring, whether it's physical, financial, or spiritual, we're going to need God's help to accomplish. So today, in, in a couple more weeks, we're going to be taking a look at a scripture. I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. It's a rather well-known scripture. Apostle Paul wrote this, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14, and he puts it this way. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead... I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the, the theme or title for today perhaps is don't live in the past. Sometimes the challenge is we can find ourselves going back and, and kind of digging up the past or setting some roots down in the past. The challenge is don't live in the past. But first of all, I encourage us to celebrate it. Celebrate the past. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 145, verse 7. It says that we celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Would you pause with me? No matter what this past year has looked like, I would venture to say, I would trust that you would agree with me that there are some good things that we can look back to and celebrate what God has done. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of some challenge, no doubt, in the past year or two or three or more, we can look back and do what the psalmist says, celebrate his goodness and joyfully sing of his righteousness. So would you pause and just think back to some good things about the past year. Find some things to celebrate and to thank the Lord for. As a church, I'm thankful that in this past full year, we went the entire year with in-person services. 2020, the year of COVID, it was interesting I mean, it's still interesting. Let's just, let's be honest about that. But 2020, we went completely online, as most everybody did, for about three months or so. Oh, I remember that. That very first Sunday, myself and Kim and Autumn and Brooklyn and Shadow were in our family room next to our big screen TV, ready to go live from our family room at 1030. And we were practicing, we, we had this office chair next to the TV, and the TV was, was kind of like the, the screen that we would have here at church, and we had a computer hooked up to the TV, and we had a computer hooked up. Um, it was, I mean, the family room was packed with computers and cameras and lights. And we would, remember we practiced. 
Sitting in the chair and then getting up out so that the next person, because it involved Kim and Autumn and Brooklyn, they all had a part. They, they did a devotional, did an announcement, or did a, did a, a game, or did a, something like that. And so we tried to figure out, you know, how do we get out of the chair? Because it was live. That lasted all of one week. And we figured that was a lot. So then the next week, we still did it at home, but we recorded it. That way, if we messed up, we could edit it out. And that lasted, I think, one week. And then we made a little studio here in the foyer of the church. Put the little, little backdrop on, and all of us would come to the church Saturday mornings. It was cute. Came in the girls, they bring their electric blankets. We had extension cords, and they had their electric blankets on in the foyer. As I'm preaching my, my guts out to the three of them in our foyer, it was interesting. And we remember we came back in person for a couple months and end of July and into August, and I caught COVID. We went back online, missed a couple weeks. Kind of uh, difficult in coming out of that. Went still in line for another couple weeks. I preached from a chair in my living room. So, all, all told, about another month online before we came back. This past year, 2021, the entire year in person. That's something to thank God about. I rejoice in that. I'm thankful for in-person ministry of Vacation Bible School this past year. The previous year, as with a, a lot of things, you know, camps and VBSs, a lot of the in-person things, you're, everyone's trying to figure out what can we do, what can't we do, what should we do, what shouldn't we do. And so last year we had an in-person VBS and able to connect and administer to kids and to families. I'm thankful and I rejoice in that. As you're all seated right there, I'm thankful for the donation of these sanctuary chairs. The marvelous and incredible blessing of this other church to bless and to donate to us. So that in return, we were then able to bless others with our pews, and piano and organ? Think back to just some of the things that took place this past year. Thankful for the rebuild project. Taking care of the house of God. We began that. We've taken some steps already and looking to do more this year. Personally, I'm thankful for family time. The, the Assemblies of God in Ohio, uh, there's a minister's retreat, that there's family camp, that there's opportunities for the family to get together, to worship together, to hear from God. An investment in, in pastors and leaders. I'm thankful for healthy girls. 2020, Autumn had a, a knee surgery, ACL surgery, and, and 2021 in January, she came back. Came back in basketball, her in Brooklyn, and in basketball, and then into the fall with volleyball, and then now into the winter with basketball and swim. And we're driving all over for swim. Got to check out Indiana yesterday for a swim meet. I'm thankful for healthy girls. And then it, it also affords the opportunity of having a little fun with the camera and snapping some pictures, making memories. I'm thankful for things as a family. Thankful for things that, that we were able to do as a family. Just uh, We shared earlier in the service the trip to Missouri. My mom and sister and brother-in-law and niece and Cousins and aunt and uncle. 
No doubt if you were to pause and, and just start reflecting January through December, yes, there's challenges. Yes, there were some heartaches and difficulties. But yes, in the midst of all that, God was blessing. God was providing. There are some things we can look back and celebrate. We don't need to go back and live in the past, but we can take a little bit of time and we can celebrate it. As the scripture said, celebrate his goodness and joyfully sing of his righteousness. I want to challenge you. Take some time today. Take some time this week and celebrate what God has done in this previous year. So don't live in the past. Celebrate it. Secondly, forget it. Now, I know that, that sounds a little counterintuitive. We just said, don't live there. Celebrate what took place. And now we're saying, forget what took place. Well, some of the things that took place in this past year, struggles and challenges and difficulties, we can overlook. Chapter 3, verse 13, we read, Paul writes, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. There's some things, some difficulties, some worries and things from our past we don't need to bring with us into the present. Now, someone put it like this, talking about worry and struggle and difficulty and anxiety. They looked into the Word of God, and I'm sure they had help, probably an electronic computer concordance. But they came up with the fact that in whatever version or translation they were looking at, there are 773,672 words in the Bible. So if you read through the entire Bible this year, that's how many you're going to read. Pretty cool. The word worry is found 13 times in the translation that they were looking at. Out of over 773,000 words, worry is only used 13 times. Then they began looking at a handful of other words, words like trust. The word trust is used 126 times in the Word of God. Or how about faith? Faith is used 270 times. Or the word believe, it's used 226 times. Or a familiar and popular word called love used 551 times. So in comparison, we're hearing about love, believe, faith, trust, and worry only 13 times. This person dug a little further. To narrow it down, of those 13 occasions of the word worry, 11 times the word worry is used in this context. We are told not to worry. 11 out of 13 times, not to worry. So that leaves only two unaccounted. For those, of those two, one asks the question, why do you worry? And the other one simply says, tomorrow will worry about itself. So when it comes to worry, anybody a good worrier? I mean, you're like a world-class worrier. Some of you were worrying what would happen if you raised your hand, so you didn't want to put your hand. But sometimes we can do really, really good job at worrying. And we're encouraged not to worry. Why do you worry? In fact, tomorrow's going to worry about itself, so there's no need for you and I to do that. When it comes to worry, there's two types of things that we worry about. Now, some of you are thinking, I can come up with a whole lot more than two. There's really only two types of things we worry about. 
Things that we can do something about and things that we can't. So the encouragement is do something about the first group and forget about the second group. There's a lot of worries, a lot of worries that we carry from our past into our present. And the encouragement is to forget the worries of the past. We can also forget about the failures of the past. Anybody perfect? Never mess up, never make a mistake. No hands, right? All our hands are down. We can forget about the past failures. Many times we get paralyzed today because we messed up yesterday. Paul says, I'm, I'm forgetting about what is behind me. Yes, I've messed up. I'm going to forget about that and move on. You've all heard about some of these individuals from our past. The baseball player Babe Ruth. He hit 714 home runs. It was a, a record for many years until it was broken. But he also struck out nearly twice as much, 1,330 times. We, we glorify the babe because of that left-handed swing, but he struck out an awful lot. Or how about R.H. Macy? He failed seven times before what would be a now popular New York City department store, Macy's, caught on. Perhaps the greatest basketball player of all time. Conflict and discussion as to who that might be. Many people think Michael Jordan. Most of you have heard bits and pieces about the fact that at times he's failed. He missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. He lost almost 300 games 26 times he took the last shot at the end of a game and missed. 26 game-winning shot misses. But what do you and I remember? The many, many, many ones he made. We remember the six championship rings, the MVPs, all of the successes. I mean, the best basketball players miss every single game. These best baseball players, they don't get a hit every single at-bat. There's a lot of failure that takes place. We can forget about, move beyond the failures of our past. There's different ways you and I can handle failure. When we make a mistake, when we mess up, first thing is we can resolve to never, ever, ever make that mistake again. Many times we, we do that, right? We mess up. Oh, I'm never going to do this again. Maybe you put that on your resolution list, right? I'm not going to do this. Doesn't that seem impossible? All the pressure now you're putting on yourself to never, ever, ever, ever mess up in this one thing again. Some people then take a second approach. They retreat and then kind of let the mistakes make a coward of them. They don't want to try anything again. Well, that's foolish. Continue to try. Instead, we're encouraged rebound and learn from our mistakes. It's profitable to learn. So let's not beat ourselves up with regrets or struggles or unmet goals or some of those broken resolutions of our past, whether that's last year or years ago. Reflect on them. Learn from them, but move on. Don't live in the past. Celebrate it. Forget it. Thirdly, forgive it. 
Forgive. Forgive can be a challenging thing to do. Because no doubt every single one of us have hurts and struggles and, and things and people that have done us wrong. Anyone ever done you wrong? Raise your hand. Come on now. If we're honest, all our hands would be up. You might have both hands and both feet. You'd be counting on every, every one of your toes. It hurts, right? When somebody lets you down, when somebody hurts or wrongs you. It was said this about President Abraham Lincoln. It said, His heart was as great as the world, but there was no room in it for the memory of a wrong. Interesting. No room for the memory of a wrong. We're encouraged to forgive the past. Jesus in Mark 11 Verse 25 says, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins as well. Now, I don't know about you, but in our nation, I would venture to say we've got a pretty good group of some grudge holders. Anybody, I mean, you are strong when it comes to, you might not be able to hold a lot of stuff, but you can hold a grudge. Well, we, got, we got some ameners in here. When someone hurts us, when someone does us wrong, we create the grudge. And then we struggle to release the grudge, right? Isn't it? It's easier to hold it, easier to maybe kind of build it up than it is to release the grudge. Jesus says when you're praying, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. What we want to do is we want to hold on to our grudge and hold on to God too. We don't have enough hands for that, right? We've got to release the grudge and hold on to the Lord. If someone did something to you, forgive it. If someone said something about you, forgive it. Now, what's the ever popular phrase when it comes to forgiving? I'll forgive, but I won't You've heard it too. Because what we want to do is we feel like the good thing, the godly thing, the spiritual thing is to forgive. So we say, okay, I'll forgive you. But in the back of our head, the back of our mind, in the little recesses of our heart, don't we kind of have a little file system for the grudge? We always remember what was said. We always remember what was done. Yeah, I've forgiven you, wink, wink. But I'm sure not forgetting what you did, what you said, how it made me feel. So we wrestle with this. We struggle with this. We're, we're really good at, at carryover. We, we carry over the hurts from last year into this year. We carry over the pain from last year into this year. There's a lot of things we do like carryover. I mean, back in the day, when, before we had unlimited minutes on cell phone plans, some companies had what they called carryover minutes. If you're on a plan that had 200, 300, 400 minutes, and you didn't use them all, some companies would say, you can keep those minutes and roll it over to the next month. That's a good rollover. Finances. If you've got a little bit of money in the bank, it rolls over to the next year and hopefully keeps earning you a little bit of money. 
you've got a retirement, if you've got a savings, if you've got investments, they roll over into the next year and continue to earn. We like that kind of rollover. But very honestly, we struggle because we keep rolling over our hurts, rolling over, and we keep bringing them with us. The good news is this. God's given you, and he's given me a brand new star. He's forgiven us. Why should we then not forgive others? Don't live in the past. Don't dwell in the past. Oh, I want to go back to all that hurt and all that pain that he or she did or said or caused. Forgive as we move forward. Now, we can't do that on our own, right? How many of you know the act of forgiveness is difficult? It's not a piece of cake. Speaking about eating better. Cake, brownies, those are pretty easy. Forgiveness, when somebody's hurt, is difficult. So don't live in the past. We're encouraged to celebrate it. We're encouraged to forget some things about it. And we're encouraged to forgive it. Finally, this morning, don't live in the past. I want to challenge you to be forgiven of it. Now we're reading from Philippians chapter 3. It's a, a, a well-known passage. I mentioned it was the Apostle Paul who wrote it. What was his name before he went by the name of Paul? Saul of? Saul of Tarsus. we got some Bible scholars in here. Good. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you've got a, a smartphone that's got the Bible app in there, would you join with me and head to Acts chapter 7. We're going to read the, the end of the chapter into the beginning of chapter 8 just to give you a little reminder Many of you probably know this about Paul, who was Saul, the life before God rescued him. But if there was one person who probably could allow the past to cripple their present, it would be Paul. Here's what we read, Acts chapter 7, verse 54. This is uh, when it gets to right around the point of the stoning of Stephen. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. You want to talk about a, a mob mentality. Mad and angry at what, what Stephen was saying and teaching and professing, that what did they do? They covered their ears, yelled, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. But look at the end of that sentence. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Let's just pause right there. We just talked about not living in the past and forgiving. How many of us would be able to pull a Stephen 
when people were mocking, hitting, yelling, and stoning us to death, basically our last thought or words would be, God, don't hold this against them. In other words, I'm not even holding the grudge against them, so God, don't you either. How incredible is that? But all the coach related the feet of a man named Saul. And then chapter 8, verse 1, we continue. It says, Saul approved of their killing him. He wasn't just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. You and I, sometimes we've been there, or you've seen people, and that's been their experience. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time, guilty by association. That's not him. Because he firmly approved of their killing him. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. It's kind of a, kind of a pivot, a, a turning point here in the church. But check out verse 3. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This isn't Saul being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he looks back and just ruse the fact, oh, I shouldn't have been in that place. He gave approval. He voiced his approval. And not just saying, yes, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm going to take part in that. He goes house to house, basically trying to find and round up Christians to put them in prison or put them to death. And on the road to Damascus, on his way to, to try to put to death more and more Christians, God got a hold of his heart. Continue reading, powerful description of how God worked upon his heart, called out to him, and God changed him from the inside out. You want to talk about a testimony. Here's Saul, all that he had been involved in. And now God got a work. God got a hold of his heart. God cleansed and forgave. God gave him a brand new start. He wasn't going to live in the past and dwell in what his life was before Christ. Now he was going to get involved and active for Christ. Listen, you and I can't change the sins of our past. We've all messed up, and at some point in the past, we've done that. We can't change the fact of what we've done, but we can be forgiven of them. Aren't you thankful for that? Don't live in your past. Don't go back and keep dwelling on and living in and going back to the sins of the past. Be forgiven of your sins. Great way to start the year. Scripture that we mention a lot. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. He'll forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even if we're someone like Paul or Saul. I don't know what's in your past, but I know that God's able to cleanse. I know that God's able to forgive it. Receive that forgiveness. When God comes in, when, when God does his work in our heart, in our life, we become a brand new creation. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. 
old has gone. The new has come. God showed up. God did a work in his heart in his life, and he ended up writing a great chunk of the New Testament books. That's the guy who's writing much of what we read in the New Testament. The one who agreed at the stoning of Stephen. The one who was trying to round up Christians. That was his life before an encounter with God. He was cleansed. He was forgiven. He experienced a brand new start. Allow God to give you a brand new start. One of my favorite toys from my childhood is, it's a toy that's still around to this day. It is the Etch-A-Sketch. How many of you are good at an Etch-A-Sketch? Just a very few hands. You got these two little knobs. I mean, this was, this was high-tech Christmas gift back in the day. You got one little knob that goes up and down. You got one little knob that goes left and right. And, and you do them at the same time, and you might get a kind of a crooked diagonal, right? Kind of, kind of wavy. I don't know if you can see, but I, I began attempting to draw something on here. What? I have no idea, but it's not very good. It's just a bunch of squiggles. Now, because I've messed up on this Etch-A-Sketch, I guess what I should just do is throw it in the garbage and go to the store and buy a brand new one, right? Because I messed up. I mean, this is no good to me now. You know how the Etch-A-Sketch works. Though it's covered in squiggles, you turn it over, Shake it back and forth. And all those mistakes, all those errors and wrongs and lefts when it should have been a right and ups when it should have been a downs, <laughs> they're all disappeared, cleansed, removed. And I, and I love likening the story of the Etch-A-Sketch to you and I. Because like my attempt at the Etch-A-Sketch, Every single one of us have messed up. God's word says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this sanctuary, every single one watching or listening to this podcast or video, you've messed up as well. A lot of mistakes that we've made that's probably a lot bigger than a, a wrong line on an Etch-A-Sketch. See, the consequences of, of a wrong line on an Etch-A-Sketch is we'll just start over. The consequences of making a mistake in life can be a whole lot more serious. True? But the good news is just like the Etch-A-Sketch, you and I are able to go to God, confess our sins, and ask for His forgiveness. And he, he grants that forgiveness. He grants a brand new start. He doesn't even have to turn us upside down and shake us. He says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Give a fresh, clean start and slate. So here at the beginning of a year, you've, you've gone through an entire year, this 
This past 12 months has had its ups and it's had its downs. But as you've closed out that year and began a fresh new one, I want to encourage you not to live in the past, but to be forgiven of it. I don't know what kind of mistakes are on your spiritual etch-a-sketch. But every single one of us has had them. Every single one of us has done wrong. Every single one of us, whether it's in the last day, week, month, or year, have made mistakes, sin in our life. As we begin a brand new year with a fresh star, we can go to God and say, God, would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? Help me to start the year with you. Maybe it's been a long time since you've gone to God and asked forgiveness, or maybe you've never, ever done it. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. No matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past is like, stuff that you hope people don't see or hear or find out about, you and I can be forgiven. Jesus forgives. So when we begin the year, we say, don't live in the past. Let's celebrate it. Uh, some things to forget about. There's some things to forgive. But let's make sure that we are forgiven of our past.